Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. I'm so excited to be here. We are in Denver, Colorado in Big Up Studios. This is our first podcast with them and we are excited to kick it off. We have got Andrew Dana in the house. What's up? Yes, let's go. The energy is about to get live. We have... We have some shoe game today. We're going to talk about carbs. This Always. guy is a pizza and bagel extraordinaire. Uh, and he's got a super successful couple of businesses going on, but we're going to unpack the human behind these businesses. And they just jumped to a new spot on Tennyson that happens to be crushing it, which is right by me. So I was super excited. I crossed uh, the path of Call Your Mother Bagel Deli in uh, D.C. And then I couldn't believe it. I was walking down the street one day and I'm like, these guys are now in my neighborhood in Colorado. So without further ado, Andrew, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Thanks for having me. Yes. Pleasure's all mine. Let's get crazy. Yes. He, he already did a workout today. What'd you do for a workout? I had a personal trainer. You know, when I moved out here, I was anxious to get into a gym. So found this really uh, very nice young gentleman, Stephen Darling, over at Commit Fitness. We uh, lift weights three times a week. Today was leg day, so if you see me shaking below the table, that's what's going on. <laughs> I love it. I like when my bagel eaters are also fitness humans because there's to. this thing with carbs. You know, it gets no, weird. it could it, gets it could get it could get away from you if you don't work out for sure. <laughs> Facts. All right, so before we get into the business, we're going to talk about all the you know humanitarian stuff you have going on. My company, Ko Alliance, we do marketing and branding, strategic partnerships, but we focus specifically on mission driven businesses. So when I dug into the details, I already like these guys, and then I saw all they're doing on the back end. And I was like, we got to get them on the show and talk about it. But before we get into all that, tell us about like young Andrew, kind of how this journey kicked off. Oh my God. I know, we dig in. Okay. Uh, Grew up in DC, Um, always loved sports, was always horrible at school. So when people (laughs) are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? For a while, I was a professional basketball player. You're a pro basketball player? No, was, this was my dream. Oh, gotcha. Are you gotcha. kidding me? Okay. I'm 5'10 and a half and was chunky as hell. Muggsy Bogues was 5'3". That's three. true. Yeah. He wasn't chunky as hell, though. <laughs> um, so I like never really knew what I wanted to do, right? Like Everybody's like, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer. And just like nothing ever really clicked with me. So I like always went through the motions. I went to college. I went to grad school. Got my MBA. Uh, but in the back of my head, like I was like, this doesn't really fit right. So in grad school, I went to grad school in New York. I was like working in sports marketing, but I kept saying like, but I really just want to open a pizza restaurant. I don't know why I was saying it. There was just something. Yeah, who doesn't love pizza? I love pizza. Um, And it was also like a food that I could wrap my head around. I'm not a chef. I've never really cooked a lot, but I was like, it's dough, sauce, and cheese at the end of the day. And so I graduated grad school and, you know, got a job in D.C. at an education technology firm, but kept saying like, oh, I just want to open a pizza restaurant, basically because my desk job just never felt right, never motivated me. I was never stoked to like wake up and go sell sponsorships for an education technology company. You know what I mean? And so I worked there for two years after grad school and I was like making really good money. I was six figures. I was 26. Like life was good, but... I hated it. Right. And, um, I just got to this point. I just remember sitting at my desk one, it was like the middle of winter. I was like, I just like, can't fricking do this anymore. And I was like, I'm going to go start a pizza restaurant. I'm just going to do it. So I like hit up some real estate people. I went and toured a pizza restaurant and they were asking me questions that like, not only did I not know the answer, like I didn't even know what the question meant. Right. So I was like, Oh shit, I might not be ready for this. So I like sort of took a step back and I was like, what's like a step I could make that, Gets me in the game, puts me on the path. Um, 
And so I like found these uh, mobile wood fired burning ovens that you can take to like farmers markets and festivals and do caterings. And I was like, I can wrap my head around that. I can drive it to a farmer's market. I can figure out how to make pizza. And so basically sight unseen, bought one online and they were like, it's going to take two months to build. And I was like, I have two months to figure out how to start a business and make pizza. And basically it was just like in the lab all day, every day. I was making pizza in my parents' house. like So no food experience? Zero. Prior, none. Ate a lot. Okay. Never cooked anything. Okay. And just like read a ton. And I think almost that I had no background. I came into it with like no baggage. So I didn't overthink things. <laughs> so I remember I like found two recipes that I liked. And I was like, what if I just combine these two? And I did that. And that's like still the pizza recipe to this day, right? So it was just like coming in it sort of with no baggage, keep it simple, stupid, and it turned out to be this great pizza dough recipe and uh, sort of hit the streets, grinding, selling pizza out of this truck. And, you know, that led to the first pizza restaurant and the rest is history. That's cr- OK. So what I'm always curious about, because I think as a young kid, were you into like pizza or cooking or entrepreneurship? Like, did you have any signs of this early on? Loved food. OK. I was I was a fat kid. Okay. I was like 100 pounds heavier than I am now in high school. Like I, I played sports, yeah. but I just, I loved eating. Like I loved it, loved going out to eat, loved the rituals, loved sort of like going to mom and pop restaurants. Like I loved food. Then I went to college at College of Charleston in South Carolina, which is just like a foodie destination and fell in love with food there. And then a huge pivotal moment for food was I studied abroad in Cape Town, South Africa, and the dollar was so strong there that you could go to like a fine dining restaurant for like $8. And so I got to experience this like incredible food and food culture. And it like really put me down this path. Where I was like, I love food. Um, but I never really thought about it as a career. I don't know why. Just basically because, I don't know, when you go to traditional college and go to a good high school, they sort of like put you on these like four trajectories. Like you have to go be a lawyer or a doctor. Like there's not like the creativity and professions. They don't like preach that really. And, um, and so for whatever reason, I never really thought that food could be a career until I went to grad school and I was just like, ah, this sucks. And then I'm in New York. So there are these incredible pizza shops and incredible bagel shops. And my favorite pizza shop in the world is this pizza place in Brooklyn called Lucali's, which is now like world famous, but I was in grad school and it first opened and the guy had no pizza experience. So he's sort of like my hero. I was like, if this guy can do it, like I can do it. And basically he signed a lease on this spot that had a pizza oven in it. And he was going to do something else. I can't remember what. And he was like, I just need to sell some pizza to make money to do like what I really want to do. And like came out with this incredible recipe and the pizza's incredible. And the vibe is just like, it's everything you could ever want out of a restaurant. So my roommate and I in grad school were like walking there once a week and eating there. And, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I guess I was doing market research and really taking it all in. And that just sort of stuck with me. And then I was, you know, sitting at my desk, hating my job and just said, F it, let's do it. Well, it's just I think it's so funny. And that's what I always want our young people to hear, because you see like your options early on. And without like that representation of people, you know, taking the wild path or being the dark horse and, you know, just coming out of nowhere, it's not even set in your mind. But on the flip side, um, I say whatever you believe, God, universe, Madonna, big Madonna fan. It's pushing you in a direction, even if you're not paying attention and you're intentional about it. Yeah, it's kind of winding you on this path. And then you get older and something clicks and it's like, oh. 
I've kind of been doing this for a long time. Like I say, I don't have experience, but you kind of do. Totally. And like that passion's there. So it's like kind of, it all kind of falls in alignment. What was like the biggest pivot point where you were like, okay, I've got this job. I'm making good money. Everything makes sense for me to stay. What was like the last straw that made you pivot and and take the leap? Because that I think is the hardest part. There's two things. There was like the macro that at the end of the day, it was like a sales and marketing job. And like the widget that they were selling could have been anything in the world, right? And I just was like, none of this is real. Like yeah. this is all fluff and bullshit. Like none of this is real. And like you could also see the back end where you're like, a lot of the stuff they're saying is just like also not true. And so part of me wanted something like really real. And I said that early on. I was like, at a restaurant, either the food's good enough and the service is good enough or it's not, right? Mm-hmm. And so there was like something so like tangible and real about the restaurant business where I was like, you can't fluff your way to success. Like maybe in an opening, but if you want to like move into sort of like, you know, staple neighborhood, like been around for 10 years, like you can't fake that. That's real. So that was sort of like the macro view. And then I was on a, a work trip um, in Ohio and I spent a night in Cleveland and I was driving to Columbus and on the way I hit black eyes, spun out and totaled the car. And I like walked away unscathed. It was crazy. But I just remember that night I was like, if I had freaking died on this stupid road in the middle of Ohio, no offense, Ohio, (laughs) no offense. (laughs) I was like, that would have been a freaking disaster. It was like, was one of those, like life can be really short, like chase your freaking dreams now. Yeah. And so that macro mixed with that, like micro event sort of led to me being like, screw it. I got to do this. How old were you at that point? 27. Okay. So still pretty young to take like- I think I was like almost exactly 10 years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. So then like that next day, were you like researching the pizza ovens online? I think it was like pretty soon after that, that I went and like toured the pizza restaurant and was like, whoa, like I don't know how to open a restaurant restaurant yet. And then I pivoted to the mobile pizza oven. Um, And then we did the mobile business for two years. So we started that 2014, 2016, we opened the pizza restaurant. It's called Timber Pizza, by the way, here in DC. We'll we'll put this in the notes. Um, (laughs) um, And along the way, so a year into the mobile business, I met my, excuse me, I met my wife, who is a trained chef. Yeah. So she came in, started part-time. The first day I was like, oh my, well, first day I met her, I said, I want this woman to be my wife, literally the first day. Did you seriously? I swear on everything. I love this so much, okay. And then the first day she started working, I was like, whoa, like this is a whole nother level of talent. And so I started recruiting her like immediately to join. And she's like, no, I went to culinary school. I'm going to go work in fine dining. I'm not yeah. messing around with you jokers. And then she, she pulled, if I, did I read this correctly? She found you like a farmer's market and walked up to yeah. ask to help. Yeah. She was like, I can work part time. I'm waiting for my fine dining job to start. Okay. And so I just was like recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. She kept saying, absolutely not, absolutely not, absolutely not. And then I think eventually like she's like realized how much fun we were having. And in the restaurant industry, certainly in fine dining, I wouldn't say it's like defined by having a ton of fun at work, right? Right. It's like sort of like militant and do everything's perfect. (laughs) And we're blasting music and singing. So I think she had a lot of uh, fun. But then I also offered her equity. And then she was like, okay, like I can come on and be a real partner. So then she helped open the restaurant. And we just grinded for a yeah. year. Like we were in the shop every single day, like literally every day. We There was not a single day one of us wasn't in the restaurant for a year, just like grinded, just like all we wanted to do was be a great pizza shop. Yeah. And then, so a year in that summer, Bon Appetit magazine every summer comes out with the top 50 new restaurants in the country. This is a list we didn't even know existed, right? Like we weren't like a lot of restaurants like play the game and try and get on the list. Yep. And like, we didn't even know this list existed. 
the list comes out, my phone explodes. And like, I don't have that many friends, so my phone never explodes. I was like, what the hell is going on? And I looked and I was like, oh, crazy. I was like, oh, that's how, that seems cool. I like didn't realize how big a deal it was. And that day, basically the door got blown open. And like, we had been busy, but sales basically went up 40% overnight, sustained now for six years, seven years or whatever it is. And so it was heinous to start because it was so busy. We had to sure. like readjust everything, but it was amazing. And it led to more opportunities where, you know, then we met this investor who basically said, draw up your dream business, which led to call your mother. That's so crazy. Okay. So I, I want to go back. Cause again, I feel like the good things happen to good people. And I feel like universe has been looking out for you for some good reason the yeah. whole time. So th this awesome woman shows up, she's qualified, but then you have this opportunity not only to build a business and grind it out, but build a relationship. Like there's no better way to like be in like the yeah. heat of it and really figure out who you guys are and how you operate. And like, do you feel like that was a major base for the, like the cement level like, of your yes relationship? And no, like we knew we had something very early on, okay. but it took us two, two and a half years to really get into it. Okay. And I so think were you like not dating at all quite yet? Or We were not dating at all. So it was just professional. Just professional. You were just an admirer. Yeah, I think we admired each other. Like oh, there okay. was a wild <laughs> energy. Okay. But I think part of it was like, we were really scared to mess with the business. And like, yeah. if we were going to get in this together, like you sort of had to be sure it was going to be super long-term or else it sort of rocks the core of the business. Sure. And then it just got to the point where it was like ridiculous that we weren't together. Everybody's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. I was like, what are we doing? And so eventually we like, we're like, yeah, this is so obvious. Like if anything, it's hurting the business. So yeah. let's do the obvious thing. And it's been amazing. That's awesome. So how is, cause there's always this like fear around like family and business relationships and business. Like how is, but the more I see like, well, CrossFit gyms, everyone's married to each other and okay. that's a whole podcast. But, um, but I've seen a lot of success stories where families are running and the narrative's kind of shifting. I think it's incredible, right? Yeah. Like the restaurant business is a very, very unique business. It is, it's just so labor intensive. There's so much sweat that goes into it. And like, I don't think if I had a spouse that wasn't in it with me, like yeah. it just wouldn't work that well. Like nobody knows how hard, like how hard we work like she does. Right. And so mm -hmm. like our wins together are just incredible because mm -hmm. we truly know, like we remember when we were prepping to open Call Your Mother and still operating every night at Timber, we're from basically Friday to Monday, we didn't sleep because we were baking overnight and running the shift. So we would take like little cat naps throughout there, but it was basically like these two days were this one long ass day. So we like know what went into it. And the same with like the losses and when you're dealing with staff and all that, like nobody gets it. Um, so it's been amazing. And like, I'll admit it's easier to work together as you have more locations because you're not like rubbing elbows every single day. Like yeah. when it was a single location and we were working the pizza line together, there was times <laughs> where like, you know, and you just nitpick at each other's work like nobody's <laughs> business. So it's definitely gotten easier, but like, it's amazing. There's nobody I'd rather share this life with than her. Now we have a five month old daughter. It's just been like so fun. So. That's it's awesome. great. Yeah. It's, well, it's really, I think the biggest thing, the biggest mistake I've made in my business is not trusting people more yeah. because things are so tight. But when it is family, uh, my my mom has a swim school, so I worked directly with them and I had some hesitancy of helping, but like there's so much trust there. Yeah. And like you can't, even if you hire great people, it's nothing like friends or family where it's like, you know, they're going to bleed it like you do. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just for sure. I, I trust her beyond whatever the top level of trust yeah. is for sure. But then I would say, like, we've treated a lot of our staff like family, too. Like, yeah. I would say one thing we are not is, like, super stingy with equity and stock options and all that stuff. And, like, 
if there's somebody who we want to like ride with us forever, like we're going to be generous with that. And like, I would rather own 50% of the business, but have it run super stable and be super successful than like hoard a hundred percent and, you know, be like doing everything myself. So, I mean, that's how it's worked for us. Well, I think that's, I I was reading that's a pretty new age approach to treat it more like a family, which I, I mean, that's kind of what we advise all the time is really get to the human side, take care of your people. That's the number one thing. Uh, And that means a lot of different things, but you see bigger companies now really getting into like pay time off and all the details. Uh, so they don't have that turnover, but more, it's just like more fulfilled on your daily. It's not even about the profits. Like you're with people that are bleeding alongside you. So the experience is completely different. Amen. Yeah. And like, what I'll say to that is like, call your mother is no longer just like Andrew and Danny, right? Like there's people who have been with us from day one who like their DNA is in the brand. The brand is in their DNA. So like, yeah, we came up with the initial concept, but we've had people just grinding with us for five, six years, whatever it is now, who like their DNA is absolutely in the business. And so like they're a part of it, right? And if that's a little extra money or a little bit equity or a little more vacation or a free gym membership to like keep them super bought in and engaged, it's like, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I mean, it's cheaper than hiring influencers that you're paying for a moment and they'll bleed it. They'll go talk about it. They'll tell their friends, their friends or family, their social, but from authentic space. No, and I think like, it's pretty easy to tell what's authentic and what's not online these days. Like I can tell like, Oh, that's, that's an influencer. That was a paid post. Right. Like even the ones that don't even say like advertisement, you're just like, that just doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. And like, listen, every industry is different in the restaurant industry. I think if you're paying for advertising, it's like the kiss of death. It shows that things are not going well. Like in this day and age, people love food. There's so many lists and all this stuff. It's like, if you're doing it right and just like, creating a great product and a great experience every day, you like don't have to pay for any of that. Like yeah. we pay for nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so so talk about this, because I think this bleeds right into uh, Call Your Mother when you launched it. It was right before the pandemic. Is that correct? Yeah, so we opened the first one October 2018. Okay. Um, and it was just wild, like crazier than we could have ever imagined. Like our original business plan was like, it'll be a sleepy bagel shop and we'll have to do a lot of wholesale and catering to make it work. And like- Basically, the day we opened, we were like, oh, shit. Like, Why do you think that was? I think part of it is we had a decent reputation built up from Timber Pizza. Yeah. And I think part of it is like bagels are hard to make at scale, right? Yeah. Like that's why a lot of people don't do it because it's a pain in the ass and you need overnight bake. It's like a pain in the ass. And so outside of New York, there's not like a ton of bagel shops and there's definitely not a ton of like great bagel shops. And so I just think like it scratched a, like a niche that was like just like desperate for it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think we did is like most businesses, there's like a playbook that most people play by, right? Like there's like the Italian restaurant you're like, okay, I can probably guess what four of the five starters are going to be. And everybody just sort of does the same shit. And like certainly in bagel shops and Jewish delis, there's like, there's like a standard vibe that everybody gets. It's somebody's last name. There's subway tile. You know what the sandwiches are going to (laughs) be. And we had this moment, well, a, my wife's from Argentina, so she didn't grow up with any of this. Right? She had never even had a bagel when we came up with this concept. So she just came at it truly from the blankest of blank slates. And then we also had this epiphany where, like, why fight nostalgia, right? Like, right. everybody thinks their grandmother's matzo ball soup or the deli they went to growing up is the best, even if it's not. Like, you can't beat that. So, like, why play that game when you'll never be able to compete with the classics? So we we're like, let's just do our own thing. Make, you know, crazy sort of sandwiches with twists on them. Let's design this bright ass pink and teal spot that feels super different. And so, 
I think the combination was like our reputation with timber, you know, people desperate for good bagels in a city that didn't have a lot of great bagels. And then three was just sort of this like unique approach. Yeah. Why? What? Tell me about like the bright colors and like why. I mean, it it feels like an absolute extension of your personality in general. Yeah. Uh, I told you I peeped Instagram. I'm like, oh, this dude looks exactly like the bagel shop. It gets so authentic. But like, were you intentional about that branding or was it just like, I love teal. I love pink. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, I think we're like blessed in that Danny and I just like make stuff we really, really dig. Right. And like we, I guess, have the tastes of like the masses because like stuff we like most people like. Like we're not like these like esoteric foodies who like like crazy stuff like we like the like we like the the club bangers is what we call them and so the way like we basically have this vision of what we want the finished product to be before we start building the brand so with call your mother we're like we know we want it to be super fun and playful at the end of the day it's a bagel shop it's not like it doesn't need to be uptight it doesn't need to have like a new york vibe or anything like let's just do our own thing and then a lot of my experience with jewish delis was visiting my jewish grandparents in south florida growing up And so if that was the inspiration I was taking, like, you know, Miami Vice, Pops of Color, we were like, let's just have this sort of, you know, South Florida, Boca inspired fun spot. Um, And so like, yeah, and it's with the the pizza place too, the branding totally different. It's like woodsy and like, you know, I always said before we even had a name and anything, I was like, I want it to be like a summer camp in the Adirondacks. So I sort of had these like visions of what I want the end like vibe to be. Mm-hmm. And then we like back into it with the name and the colors and the branding. Yeah. Kind of reverse engineer it from like that initial intuition. Yeah. But like we're not professional marketers. Right. Like there's no like master plan here. Like at the end of the day, we like do shit we really like. We try and do it great every single day. And then when there's opportunities to grow, we grow and we basically grow for two reasons. One, we get bored really easily. So we like love new challenges, right? Like the second things get stable, we're like, how can we knock this? So it's like super unstable and like we're back in the (laughs) trenches. And then two, all those great staff that I talked about early on, like I promised them early on, like, don't look at this as a restaurant, look at this as a startup. And to fulfill that promise, you have to grow or else people hit their ceilings super quick. So here we are. I don't know. I I don't know. It's working out. Well, I mean, are either you or Danny, um, spiritual, religious, like anything like that, that's kind of guiding the light. Um, I mean, I'm Jew dash ish, you know, like we do Shabbat when it's, when it's convenient. Um, I think I would call us like naturists. We like love being in nature and Mm -hmm. unplugging and sort of being like basically with each other and nature and our five month old baby. Yeah. So I don't know what our guiding light is. Yeah, just trying to be good people, trying to create a life that we love, right? Yeah. Um, and trying to help those who work for us create those sort of those same lives. And I don't know, like, these businesses are super personal too, right? Especially because mm-hmm. I said like we're making stuff we like. So like at the end of the day, if somebody has a bad experience, it's so personal, it like kills us, yeah. which then we go over you know, and above to try and make it be a great experience every single day. Yeah, I love that. I just think there's always kind of like we're hit with messages wherever it's coming from. Like, I don't care how it's like branded, mm-hmm. um, religion, spirituality, whatever. But like if it's just so long as like you're listening, you have just enough awareness to kind of lean in just enough. Yeah. Like it will kind of take it because you did the school thing. You did the MBA thing like you did all the the pieces that you wanted to. But on the flip side, there's always this thing pulling you in a direction, which I think everybody has. The hard part is actually listening to it and then leaning in because that leap is so difficult. A hundred. And it's like my body was screaming, telling me this right like I had mad anxiety in grad school I left grad school and I had I was an insomniac for a year like my body was telling me like your life is fucked up like this isn't what it should be 
And I just had to like sort of claw my way out of it and figure what that was. And it's like the second I started chasing like my dreams and doing this and working with my hands and the people I loved, it was like all that stuff just like melted away. Yeah, that's a perfect point because I always like to talk about it's not always about as a marketing professional, we always get together with our clients and it's never about creating something, which I'm fabulous at creativity, but it's about revealing what's already there. And that's kind of like guiding that purpose, that path, so then you're fulfilled. So it's not really even about the profit or the inline. It's like, how are we living meaningful and feeling like purpose in what we're doing? And usually it kind of works out. If you can find that piece, the business side somehow comes together and and kind of reveal its path, but it's hard to walk away from everything you've been taught and all these examples to, to do yeah. something different. No, and my beef is like, I went to a really good private high school in DC and like my whole shtick has been like, it actually ruined my confidence because okay. it sort of tells you, it puts you in these like these very specific boxes. And if you aren't going to this type of college, you are not successful. Yeah. And if this is not the type of person you are, and it's like, it's bad for creativity. It only sort of rewards a certain type of student. And so it actually like took me a while to like gain my confidence back. I, I graduated high school being like, am I dumb? Like, yeah. cause I'm not good at this type of school and I'm not going to a Princeton. Like, am I dumb? And then in college, I sort of was like, I don't think I'm dumb. I'm like just as smart as all these kids. And I started to build it, like, claw my way out. And then in grad school, I just had this moment where I was like, everybody here is faking it. Like yep. nobody knows shit. Everybody's figuring it out. And then I just like, I don't know. In grad school, I sort of found my mojo and then has had that carry over. But like, I think it's a disservice that it's like these schools don't talk about how many options there are out there. I'm like, you want to go study starfish in the Bahamas? There's a job for you. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you don't have to be put on these like very specific career trajectories. Yeah, um, I think that's huge. And thank you for sharing that because a major passion piece of mine is youth mental health and wellness. There's more pressures than ever on our kiddos. Instagram, social media, they're blasted with these unrealistic messages and everything else. And they're aware of so much more way before mm-hmm. we ever were. And there's just these outrageous expectations where in turn, like you see these prestigious situations that look all glamorous and great. But the reality is it's pulled you further from your purpose than anything else did. Yeah. And it's also making like a lot of our young workers can be a little delusional on how fast stuff happens and what they're (laughs) entitled to. And I've shown up for work three months in a row. I deserve to be a general manager. And we're like, what the hell? Like, that's not really how this works. And it's, I agree. Social media shows that things happen so fast and like, that's just not how it works. Like hard work is undefeated. I always tell people the only way there is through the motherfucking wall. That's what I tell everybody. And it's like, there's not a lot of people running through the walls now. There's people like running for three days and being like, okay, what do I deserve now? Where's my medal? And that's not great either. So, what's the flip side? Well, that's also I'm an advocate for youth in sports or theater or some passion, like get into something where you have to work at it. For sure. So you learn that early on and it's not your boss, your coach, something when you're, you know, 18 plus trying to tell you some of these like, you know, life skills that you should have had early on. No, like none of my tips for anybody are like, anything but the most cliche answers. They're like, I'm just like, just fucking outwork everybody. Yeah. Like, period. Well, I mean, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's that so is simple. what it is. We started Timber Pizza out of a food incubator in 2014 as the food truck. And there was like five other food trucks that started at the same time. And I would say all of them had either a slightly better concept or better chefs or like better financing, but none of them worked as hard as us. Like we, yeah. I, I'm not like, I skipped friends, this is bad, but I yeah. skipped friends' weddings and birthday parties, and I was just like relentless, right? 
And there was a food truck who was like, we're taking August off so we can go to the beach for a month. And I'm like, what? That's not how you build a freaking business. Yeah. And there was like, while that was happening and I'm like grinding in August in DC, sweating my face off, cooking wood-fired pizza. I'm like, maybe those guys have it right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. But you fast forward seven years later and like some of those businesses are totally out of business and the ones that are like, we're so far ahead of them. It's not even funny. And like now, like, my work-life balance is much better than theirs, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it's like you have like to take like the lift off in a flight is the like the hardest the plane works, mm-hmm. right? And it's like early on you have to freaking grind. And some yeah. of these people they'll grind for a month and take the photo on Instagram, but it's not a month, dog. It's like right. three years. You know right. what I mean? So you build the base. Yeah. W- was there a point where you're like, I'm questioning everything? Like where oh, you wanted to turn around? Two million times. Yeah. So you can't, well, <laughs> yeah. I went from making six figures. The first year I did the pizza food truck, I made $12,000. I was like okay. literally living in squalor. I was like crashing in my friend's room, which was going to be his baby's room. Then the baby was born and I get kicked out. <laughs> and then I lived in my friend's dad's basement. Like I was just bouncing around, yeah. like doing what it took. And I remember being like a year and be like, oh my God, like, am I ever going to make money? This is crazy. And then you just start chipping away, chipping away. And then we opened Timber Pizza. And I remember being, then first night I went home and I was like, this restaurant's going to trap me in here for like two years. Like, what have I done? Like, I felt anxiety. But then, I don't know, just put your work pants on and go do it again. And you start chipping away and you get great employees and you put the systems in place. And then eventually you can step away. Like certainly in the restaurant industry, Restaurants are like humans. You open them, it is a newborn baby that needs 24 hours attention. It needs to be bottle fed, it like, or it will die, right? Eventually it gets to toddler status where it can do some stuff on its own. Eventually it's a teenager where it just needs some rules, but it can live. And eventually it gets to adulthood where maybe you found the perfect like GM. But I think a lot of times people like don't realize how much love and attention a business needs early on. And they want to like fast forward to the C-suite and be like, I am a, the CEO. I'm the owner. I don't, I'm not in the trenches. And for what's worked for us is like we are in the trenches in the newborn phase. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But when you when you have that experience, even if someone hands you a pile of cash, and you can go from A to Z, which never really works. But even if you can do that for Instagram, you don't when you don't have that suffer stage, you don't the reward is not as sweet. Like Couldn't it's agree just, more. It just takes it's like going to the CrossFit Games and handing you a medal versus yeah. like you having to do all the workouts. Like it's totally different. And if like, like a lot of parents that do that, I'm sure kids in D.C., it's a wealthy area. Um, I feel like they get robbed of the yeah. experience. Like and you can't you can't buy the, the in between. It's really brutal. I couldn't agree more. No, I mean, it, it's, and especially if your wife is your business partner, so you've been running through these walls together. Yeah. Like To experience it together and the wins are just immaculate because yeah. of how hard we worked and the fact that we get to share it. So Yeah, there's the reward. Okay, so tell me about the huma- humanitarian efforts, what you guys give back to. I, this is my favorite part because I think every successful business down the way, I'm big in like karma. So mm-hmm. as intentional as we are as business humans, I think if you're showing up and doing good in the world, even if you have a plan, things are conspiring and making sure it's going to keep you moving in the right direction no matter what. Um, but that comes with intentionality and being, you know, worried about the profit in the business, but being a part of this world on mm-hmm. a larger level and being a contributor, being useful is kind of my end game. Um, tell me about the causes you're involved with and why it's important for you to keep that involved with your business. Well, so I want to start with the staff, right? And so when we first opened the restaurant, I had no restaurant experience and my wife, Danny only came from the kitchen In traditionally restaurants, the kitchen does not get treated as well as the front of house. And so the first thing we ever did was like, we're doing even tip share among everybody. We're taking care of everybody. 
Um, and then we also, it's like not just enough to do that. We wanted to build people up to have like full careers. Mm -hmm. And so we offer free language classes. We offer professional training. Um, we put people on like clear, uh, career trajectories. Once the pandemic hit, we built out an employee relief fund. So we built a fund just for employees when employees need, uh, you know, just a little help out. They fill out a form. We have a committee just to help our current staff out. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we like, if you don't treat your staff right, none of the other shit matters because you can't do it right. So like truly the staff is the core of the whole thing. So we want the staff to be taken care of, have clear trajectory paths. My wife is an immigrant. She deeply cares about immigrants and giving them like clear opportunities. A lot of these immigrants get kitchen jobs that just have such low ceilings. Yeah. And so we're trying to, you know, eliminate that ceiling for these immigrants who come over here looking for a better life. So that's one. And then two, we've just always wanted to be a staple in the community, right? Like at our core, we want to be a neighborhood bagel shop. And to be a neighborhood bagel shop, you have to be involved with the community. So like there's different things we do. We do a roundup campaign every month with a local charity. We match whatever we round up. There's things in D.C. like we've sponsored inner city summer camps, you know. So it's like we're always looking to do different things. We're always looking to be involved with the community. And that's different in each shop, right? Like each neighborhood in D.C., we have nine shops. Each neighborhood needs different things. So we're into a lot of different community aspects there. Um, and then lastly, we're a food business, so we care about feeding people, right? So, you know. When the pandemic hit, we were donating tons of food to hospitals. We always do food rescue. We do we sort of on purpose overbake bagels so we can donate bagels every single day to food rescue here and in DC. So take care of your staff, be involved in your community, and then like whatever your core business is, that's not easy. It's like not a heavy lift to help out, which yeah. for us is feeding people, is we do. So that's sort of the three pillars. That's awesome. Where do you think that stems from? Like why was this important for you from the get-go? Because this isn't stuff you have to do. Yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to staff, like I'd always worked corporate jobs where like staff got benefits. So I was like, why the fuck wouldn't these people get benefits? Yeah. I was like, what are we talking about? And then Danny coming from the kitchen, she was like, it's so fucked up how people in the kitchen get treated. So we just came at it early on. We were like, it's just not fair, like period. And like, we're going to offer people health insurance. We're going to like, we're just going to do these things. We're going to have a 401k, which no restaurants have, right? And then, you know, I... I as for the community aspect, I don't know. I, our parents raised us well. We yeah. care about our community. Like when we opened Timber, we lived across the block. Like literally we could see in the front window from our apartment window. And so like we lived in the community. We wanted the community to be better. So there was never like some marketing master plan. It was just like innately in us. Like, yeah, of course we're going to try and help out our community. And like, of course we're going to try and feed people. And of course we're going to try and treat our staff well and i think like you can tell when businesses are doing stuff like for the likes mm -hmm. you know like yep. for a long for the longest time we did not even comment on the fact that we did any of this stuff because that's like not why we did it right and then people were coming at our necks saying why aren't you doing stuff for your community and we're like i guess we do need to talk about this yeah. but like that's never why we wanted to do it right like right. and i before we started say like or maybe this one i don't remember at some point i said we don't talk a lot about like where we source our stuff from, even though we source the best stuff, just because there's like everybody's shoving shit down your throat. And so we're like, at the end of the day, we want to make great food, great service. And if you want to hear about our sourcing, we're absolutely there for you. And it's great sourcing. And it was the same in the community. It's like, we're not doing this for credit. We're doing it because it makes our community better and because it makes our staff happier, which makes us just a healthier, happier business. 
then people were coming at us for not doing stuff in the community. So then we started to have to talk about it a little bit, but we still like don't talk about most of the shit we do just cause like, that's not why we're doing it. Yeah. And I don't know. Our whole business is based on authenticity. And so my whole thing is like, you can tell when businesses are doing things for the likes and for a little boost in business. So we just like, at all times, we're like, does this feel authentic? And so sometimes we talk about stuff, sometimes we don't. Except for right now, you just talk about it. So now it's out there. <laughs> no, but I think it's good. I'm, I'm just giving you our yeah. time. I, I do think, I get it. It's almost like the influencer line of like, it's authentic, but do you want to be an influencer? No, but like, do you really have something important to say? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think it is important that you share it. I'm glad that you just did because our young people are savvier than ever. Like we were just talking For about this sure. before we got on. So they know how to dig into the details and they're conscious consumers. They For will sure. intentionally, like kids that don't have a ton of money will spend the extra dollar to For go sure. to a family business or mission-driven you know, type of situation. So I think it is really important. And that provides space for you to help people on the back end. So like all of it kind of works together. Do other businesses, and this is an off kind of topic question, but do other businesses come to you saying like, this is cool. Like, do you, have you done any like consulting on how you guys do stuff yet? I would never charge anybody to learn how to, yeah. you know, treat their staff better or do anything like that. Like in DC, I'm, you know, we're, the restaurant industry is pretty tight knit. So yeah. like we absolutely, you know, our sounding boards for ideas and here's what we're doing and here's how you can get involved. And do you want to do this thing together? So absolutely. There's like a network of that in DC. We're trying to build that network here. We're still new to the block. We've definitely met some like cool people. So for the most part, we're going to people here for information. Like what are the great charities who's donating food in like an actual organized, meaningful way. Um, Cause just like there's good businesses and bad businesses, there's good nonprofits and bad nonprofits. So we just like always want to be involved with the best. Um, we've done like some consulting on like branding and stuff like that, but I would like never be like official consultant for like, here's how you help your community. Yeah. I mean, I I get that. I respect that. But also like, I do think it's something to take note of for businesses starting out. Number one, just question a better way, like do it your way, lean into it authentically. Um, but really kind of just, I would say it's cliche, but listening to that heart space, because I think that's like the best guiding post that you can chase even though that's kind of hard to like wrangle in and like logically grasp no and i i I always go back to staff because if the staff is happy and bought in they make better food they give better service and like that they are the backbone of your business so i would tell anybody before they even start to think about the community or anything make sure you're taking care of your staff the best you can because it can backfire if you're not taking care of your staff and you're doing all this charity work your staff's gonna be like what the fuck yeah right and yeah. so like the foundation for everything is your staff. So yeah. make sure you're taking care of them first and then you can start to grow from there. Love it. Well, it's just like sports. You got to have the team. Teamwork makes a dream work. Hundo P. Um, tell me what's, what's special about this Tennyson location. You're new to Colorado. Like yeah. give us the tea on what's different with, you know, what you guys have going on out there. It's a beautiful spot. Tennyson is rocking. I think you guys are a perfect fit for the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, like. One of my best high school friends lives out here, Harry Liss, shout out. Um, so I've like been to Tennyson Street and seen people there on the weekends. So when I was doing the real estate tour and we were driving down Tennyson, like I like basically was like, hit the brakes. Like we need to be on this strip. I love this strip. Yeah. And so we found this corner building and the landlords were super awesome, worked with us. Like no landlord of a building like that lets you paint the whole freaking exterior teal. I, I couldn't believe that. Right? Well, tenant, it's its own vibe. We're not like bold or anything. Mm. Uh, not good or bad. It's just like they can be a little more eccentric. No, but new construction buildings, there <laughs> no landlord ever lets you do that, right? Yeah. Like that is their baby. And they were like so generous with what they let us do. They just like let us basically build out our dream spot, paint the outside teal, let us go nuts in the inside. So we basically like 
built our dream spot, right? That is just like so on brand and all that, you know, and then we, we did have to adjust the bagel recipe out here because of the altitude. So we were like dialed in that like, this has to be even better than our DC bagel. Like we're not going to stop until it's like the best possible bagel we can make. So we're making a quality product. Brand vibes are on point. And then like, we just talk about GFEs, great fucking experiences Mm -hmm. and how the line between GFE and AE average experience is very thin. And so we're just like hammering that home every day. We found great staff who fucking loves giving GFEs every day. Like we hire people for personality over everything. We don't care about your experience. Like nothing that we're doing is rocket science. But if you're like a person who loves people and loves being sort of bubbly and making people happy, like we'll teach you everything you need to know. So we're creating what we think are like pretty like fun experiences every day. And then my wife, Danny, runs the tightest fucking ship in the world in the okay. kitchen. And it is so efficient. And we're getting food out fast, right? And so it's one thing to wait in a line and then have to wait a long time for your food. Danny has the kitchen dialed fucking in. So stuff's coming out quick, coming out delicious, fun vibes, fun colors. And so far, people have dug it. Yeah. Well, it was cool because I um, I'd heard about you guys coming out here. Like I said, I saw you in D.C. And I'm like, I can't believe I was out there. And then... Saw you and then you guys were out here and I'm like, this is so crazy. And you're two seconds from my house. So I went over during the opening and you happened to be there. And I'm like, I think that's the owner. I don't know. Waited in. I missed the line. I think I was there right at a good time because it's been crowded even yeah. right now. And I uh, got my food fast. You happened to be there, which I really appreciated. I'm like, this dude owns it, but he's on the front lines, you know, not only for like week one, but like you're out here for yeah. a couple months, like in it mm-hmm. and bleeding it. And I think that speaks volumes. Um, but just good experience. And genuinely, like I'm a big energy person. You could tell your humans were in it. Like it yeah. wasn't like, you know, we gave them something in the back and they're hyped up on Red Bull or caffeine. <laughs> right. But like these dudes are actually, everyone's in there is bleeding it as well. Like it was yeah. just like good energy and good vibes. And I'm here for everything neon. So you had me at the No, branding, for sure. No, it's like the staff we have out here is incredible. We have a bunch of hungry people who want to grow with us. And we've like, as long as people want bagels out here, we're going to do more <laughs> locations and continue to grow. So like the same stuff I promised the staff in DC that like you can build a real career here is like true here too, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean just a restaurant in the restaurant job. Like the guy who's now running our marketing and social media started as a food runner, right? And has just been with us grinding. So it's like, we basically say like, if you grind with us and like help us win, we'll help you win. So like you can jump from this silo to this silo and this silo to this silo. And so then you get like super happy, hungry people who want to grow and sort of the best for the business and you're all in it together. So I love it. And the people in Denver are so nice. Heck Way yeah. nicer than in D.C. Yeah. Sorry, D.C. And we're not all high like everybody thinks. It's, just, it's, not, it's not just that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, maybe off CrossFit and fitness yeah. vibes, too. Um, no, I think that's amazing. And then for leadership, then you guys get to be around people that are genuine. Like, it works just for everybody. Uh, no, for sure. Like, and, like, it goes back to that newborn baby. Like, yes, we have nine locations in D.C., but we basically started a new business here, right? Yeah. Like, there's no infrastructure here. So, of course, we're going to be here treating it like a newborn baby, giving it life every day. And then I think like the staff love seeing us here, right? Like they know that we give a fuck. Like, yeah. we, like we brought our five month old baby. I drove across the country with my dog so the dog could be here for the summer. Yes. Like we're freaking in it with them, right? So it's not like we didn't give them any sort of corporate vibes, anything like that. Like, yeah, we have 10 locations, but we're not some like corporate tra- chain. We're like in the mix. And so 
I think the staff sees that and then the staff digs it and then the staff's better and then we love it more and it sort of sort of feeds off of itself. 100%. Well, for anyone that doesn't know, give them like a quick four and one on the food. Like what you touched on why the bagels are different. You dialed in the recipe. Anything yeah. else anyone needs to, I mean, if you look on their Instagram, it's the food pictures are stunning and it's not like it's hard to take a good picture because you pack it and you pull it perfectly. Like it looks good no matter What's what. hilarious is the timber pizza. We thought pizza was the most Instagrammable food and we're like, we're open color mother. We're like, Bagels just aren't Instagrammable. It's got a really? totally different business. Like we never thought it would be what it is now, which is so wow. funny. Which also goes to like, don't build a brand for Instagram. Like if you build a tight <laughs> brand. Don't do, don't do anything for that. Right. Don't that do anything space. for Instagram. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like we bake our bagels in-house. We bake our bread holla in-house. We do all our pastries. Uh, we're making our own cream cheese. We're sourcing the best meats. My wife's making some fun, you know, twists on classics. Like... We have one that's on a maple salt and pepper, chicken sausage, egg, cheese, and spicy honey. It's basically like if you go to a diner and get the plate that has like pancakes, maple syrup, egg, sausage, it's like that last bite where you mix everything together. It's like a whole sandwich like that. So come through. Food's tight. We have coffee. We have vibes. It's fun. Old cell phones on the wall. That was a cool touch. Yeah. You go on eBay and buy 150 old phones for 150 bucks. Okay. There you go. It's basically $150 for a bag of trash. But yeah. (laughs) At least it's not out in the trash. It's true. It's true. true. Recycle reuse. Yeah. Um, I have a million more questions, but I want to keep our time time tight. Where Where do we find you? I'll of course list everything, but give Instagram handles. Anything you want to share? I think our Instagrams at Call Your Mother Deli. Okay. I think so. I love when people don't know because I know they're not on it all day. I'm pretty sure. Um, (laughs) We're on Tennyson, the corner of Tennyson and 39th. Um, We have nine shops in DC. If you're in DC. And we're building out one in Cap Hill in Denver at the corner of 13th and Pearl. It's an old 7-Eleven that's been abandoned for like 25 years. It's going to be really fucking cool. We're like keeping the old coolers and everything. I didn't know there's so, a second location. Already yeah, in the works. going to open this fall. Oh, okay. I was going to say ETA is fall. This 38th fall. 38th in Tennyson. Um, but I don't know. No, anything. I love it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Oh, so, okay. We're out here. Yeah, no. So, like, we're class. like, we, we, we came out here knowing we wanted to open at least four. Okay. Um... And uh, so we have that one in the works. We may have something else in the works that I can't talk about quite yet. Um, and then we've built a mini house that's a replica of one of our ones in D.C. And that's going to go in the parking lot next to Central Market in Rhino. So pretty close to oh, pretty close, close to, to here. here. Okay. We got you on cool. breakfast. I was going to say strategic partnerships right here on <laughs> TNT. Boom. Um, that's amazing. Final words of advice. Anything you'd give like you wish you would have heard earlier? I mean, there's like the cliche shit that I already said, like work harder than everybody, sort of don't stop it good enough, all that stuff. But I like basically every industry has a playbook that they want you to play from, right? Like you tour a space and even the broker's telling you, this is what this restaurant should be like, or, you know, this is what a gym is supposed to be like. And I will just say like, fuck the box, do your thing, try to be different. The businesses that always succeed are the businesses that do it in a unique, slightly different way. So fuck the playbook, work harder than everybody else. Don't stop it good enough. Boom. Last question. What is success to you? Ooh, I think it's changed over the years. Like 10 years ago, I would just said a shit ton of money. Um, now it's about time with my family, like having a five month old daughter and my wife. It's like, yeah, just being able to spend quality time and not be uh, stressed about paying the bills. It's gotten a lot simpler. Yeah. So yeah. being able to go for a hike with the little baby and the girl and uh, and the dog is, is living the good life. That's awesome. 
Well, congrats on your success. Like the, the financial piece is always awesome, but just to have mission-driven humans worried about the community, concerned about their team, and just spreading that positive energy, I think that's how we make the world a better place. Amen. Cliche, but I think that's it. So. Well, there's cliches for a reason because most of them are yeah, true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Please uh, go check out what they have going on on Tennyson. It's awesome. You can't miss the building. The food's good. Go back a few times because you got to uh, order a few different things. I definitely think I said the challah bread and it's challah. Challah. Yeah, order. The guy was like, oh, that's cute. Like yeah, he didn't say it, but he was looking at me. I'm like, then we have a gluten-free yucca bread and everybody oh. says yucca. Oh, yeah. So okay. I'm just... Hala Yuka. So you don't look like Don't a embarrass yourself. Yeah, I definitely did, but that's okay. And I was branded out, so it was right <laughs> on the wall. Um, check them out. Special thank you to Big Up Studios. These guys are awesome. If you're creative in the mix, videography, um, any sort of creating content, podcaster, come check them out. Well, we're going to be doing a podcast with them coming up, so you'll be able to hear their backstory. But that's a wrap for today. I appreciate you guys on all levels. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.